and I, you know, and again, I've watched so many midwives come to the point of burnout and I'm like, how do we make this more sustainable? How do we, how do we do it in a way that, you know, allows our clients to get what they need from us and, and for us to meet those needs and also for our needs to be met because our needs are really, really important here. You know, like if we're, if we're not feeding ourselves, if we're not running a sustainable practice, you know, what are we doing? Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook, and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey, y'all. I am Jamara, and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of Black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor, and mother. I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. Hi, welcome. Hi, thanks. (laughs) How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm excited to chat with you. Um, I was super impressed with the deafening response you had to your simple post. For sure, for sure. Like I, 50 requests for information like within the first few hours. Oh yeah, I like the DM situation was blowing up and I basically was like, I can't go in and respond to all these. Like we're, you know, I'm a midwife who has time to do. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah you basically became insta-famous. So <laughs> That's what um, I think we should talk about. That's what I think we're here to chat about is give people what they want all in one little succinct chat instead of a million different uh, DMs, which you can't keep track of. So here we are. Yeah, yeah. I am going to host a Zoom for folks next week um, cool. just to talk them through like, you know, kind of where I was, where I'm at, how things have worked out for me. That's yeah. awesome. What a great resource. And I just want to really applaud you. Like this kind of initiative, this seeing outside the box and figuring out how to make this profession successful, despite all the challenges is like so yeah. impressive. So yeah, you're awesome. So Thanks. let's do an official introduction. <laughs> Tell <Okay. laughs> me where in the world you are. Who are you? What are you about? Give me yeah. a little spiel. So my name is Eliza Kay. I am a CPM practicing here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have been a midwife for four years, which seems wild. Like how did that sneak up on me? Um, I've been in the birth birth world for 14, 15 years now total. Um, So I did doula and childbirth education um, initially, and then, you know, kind of went back and took some time after my youngest was off and then started to become a midwife. 
um, cool. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, so before we dive into some of the radical solutions that you pioneered, let's just sort of outline the pain points, right? So anyone who's coming to midwifery right now should have some pretty basic trepidation. Like this is not your grandmother's midwifery, right? Like we're right. in a whole new world. <laughs> so yeah. um, let's, let's kind of outline that. I think most everyone knows, but partly is there new people who listen to our podcast who might not really understand it. And then there are also uh, folks in the trenches who it just feels good to have it validated. Like they're not alone oh, sure. in this experience, sure. right? So there's a problem with um, reimbursement, right? Yes, not absolutely. Not enough states offer Medicaid. Yeah. Insurance is a pain in the ass. It sometimes goes to the client and then they keep it. Yeah, yeah. I like, don't bill insurance. Right. That, that's <laughs> part of this. Like, that you know, I'm... Well, I'm not like even dealing across with the nation. The pain points are massive financially. Sure. Um, then, then even in the cash fee world where you're just have a flat rate of services, um, there are lots of people who, um, don't want to pay or don't yeah. pay the full amount or don't right. do their payment plan correctly or come up with a million excuses. Sure. And it's up For to sure. midwives to have the boundaries to say that's not acceptable with me, but that's a major pain point because let's face it, yeah. inflation and cost of living and it's crazy and everyone's struggling, For sure. et cetera, et cetera. Then there's some other pain points, um, like around access to um, services for the midwife, right? Mm -hmm. Getting ultrasound and lab referral and MFM supplies. Yeah. yeah. Major problem. Yeah. What, and I'm what in, else would you say? I'm in a state that does not offer licensure for midwives. So it right. is very, very tricky um, to get some of those things. Um, <clears throat> we cannot accept Medicaid because we don't have licensure. Um, right. which, you know, in, in my state, it's like half of all births are Medicaid births. Um, so that's automatically, you know, and, and from, for the most part, like that's automatically taking those folks out of the, out of the Equation. place. To have yeah. 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 And, and even if you could accept Medicaid, most states reimburse Medicaid at such a low rate that it's not sustainable without having massive numbers of clients, which is for also sure. not sustainable in midwifery. So the whole right. Medicaid system is a major challenge and that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. But um, yeah. what other pain points did you recognize either in your first four years of practice or in your student world? Like, what were you like, yeah. this is a real challenge. <clears throat> I mean, so there's, there's a couple. Um, one of them is just being on call all the time. You know, like every midwife, every birth worker, every student, you know, that's a major thing. You know, if you're wanting to do anything, you have to plan 10 months in advance, you know, before those inquiries already are rolling in, you know, it's the end of October and I'm already having people in June. So it's like, I'm already, you know, I'm already planning my summer um, and how that's going to look. And last fall, you know, post pandemic midwifery, I was like on the verge of burnout and at the point where I was just like, this isn't sustainable. I'm a solo midwife. Um, I work with an assistant. I, and I was just like, this is not, who can keep up this pace? Who can, who can do this? Um, and I really got to the point where I was like, do I leave midwifery? You know, it, it, 
it, yeah, it's my heart. I love it. Only but three like, years in, you were wondering, should I give up? Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I just want to really like hear and feel that and validate that. And anyone who's listening, this is like real, the challenge, yeah. the exhausting pace, the lack of reimbursement, the frustration, the persecution, the worry for your future and your sustainability. It is all consuming. And it can lead people to burn out all too fast. And of course, we know there are massive healthcare deserts across the United States. We have a physician shortage. We have a CNM shortage. Like we're in crisis. We can't afford to lose midwives. Right. So painting this picture is is really real and really helpful. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, You have support. You have a partner who supports you at home. I am a single mom. You're a single mom too. So this is another plight that is a huge part of midwifery. And I I didn't want to assume, but I wanted to, to, to really kind of share this as well. So many of us become single moms as a result of our dedication to midwifery and lose relationships because really nobody's prepared for that level of on-call lifestyle. No, no. I mean, there are other things that you know, where the wheels sure, off, there but. always are, but <clears throat> definitely could be a nail in help. the coffin, right? Yeah, it, did, it did not <laughs> yeah. help the situation at all. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, it's super exhausting. So, mm-hmm. um, single, single mom world, single private solo midwifery world, mm-hmm. all the decks stacked against you. And last yeah. year when you were feeling so burned out, we obviously had, had the global pandemic, which was an extra level of insane that nobody's ever yeah. felt before, <laughs> but but a huge part of what you were feeling was probably honestly right in line with what midwives have been feeling for at least the last decade, for which sure. is a basic understanding that this is not sustainable. Right, right. And I've watched midwives in my community over the last year or so just be like, I'm sorry, I'm done. Um, you know, it, it's, it's and, and these are folks that have been in the community for years and years and years and years and years, you know, they're just like, I, I can't anymore. Yeah. Yep. That's super real. So when you come to this place where you're like, this is not sustainable, mm-hmm. sustainability means replicatable, right? I can't yeah. keep doing yeah. it. This is not yeah. sustainable. Um, you, you basically have two choices, right? It's the right. old adage adapt or die, right? Yes. So, yeah. so lots do they fold, they, 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 you know, become phlebotomists because you can do that with midwifery background. They go back to doula work or education. Mm-hmm. They fall back on a previous education, like teaching yeah. or dog sitting or like whatever, right? Yeah. They yeah. pick up, they pick up part of the gig economy by like Uber or like, you know, right. pass rabbit or something like that. But most midwives don't have very transferable skills. Yeah. And this is part of the tragedy of losing midwives from the profession is it's so specialized. Right. Right. I am. Yeah, I'm lucky that I have an undergraduate tragic. degree. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you, yeah. You have a graduate degree. So you have something an else. undergraduate degree. Um, undergrad. Yeah. Um, so I do have that, you know, in my back pocket, I was in the army for seven years, four years of active duty, and then three years in the reserves. So I have some like background that other midwives might not, um, luckily, you know, so I do have yeah. some avenues if I'm just like, I can't do this anymore, but you're right. right. Like, you know, but most of the time the skills whole, aren't. 
they're not transferable. You either have something from your past, right. you, you know, use um, some generic skill. And I don't mean that in any kind of negative thing, but like driving or like babysitting is kind of a generic skill um, yeah. or you go back to school. Right. These are mm -hmm. kind of the the options, but midwifery as a profession is not really transferable. Right. So we have this tragedy when people hit that burnout. This is unsustainable, which is happening so often and so much. They they leave and they leave in a tragic state, which is like all mm -hmm. of that knowledge and all of that skill is is left on the table yeah. and it's not yeah. utilized. No one's getting the benefit from it. And that midwife is suffering because they can't really make a proper living without, you know, cause it's not transferable. Right. So the other option, the other option, which I'm so excited to explore with you today is that adapt, create, invent, shift, right. Yeah. Some, <clears throat> some sidestep um, into some other reality that yeah. can change your income, can change your time, your relationship with time, can change your relationship yeah. with others. And so before <laughs> we find yours, um, you know, there are quite a few different side hustles that we talk about in midwifery. And that's a possibility at, um, yeah. at the Midwifery Wisdom Conference um, in two weeks, we have um, a presentation with Jennifer Gallardo, who's teaching a class called The Side Hustle, How to Make mm -hmm. More Money in Midwifery. And that's a recording. So if you miss it live, we'll have that as a recording on the, on the website. Um, there are um, midwives who have created um, ultrasound clinics inside their office. There are midwives who've opened laboratory clinics inside their office, outpatient draws. Um, mm -hmm. educational, holistic health centers. They have chiropractors or acupuncturists. You know, there's all these kinds of like room use or collaboration or like yeah. kind of entrepreneurial <clears throat> pathways. Um, but what I really want to explore with you today is how you took the pain points in midwifery and the near burnout and you actually transformed your practice. So why don't you walk us through what was happening and what did you do differently? Yeah. Um, I will also share my dad died last November, oh. <clears throat> you know, so oh, it's like, I, I just basically had, all of these, yeah, all these yes. things set, and I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. I can't maintain. Um, mm -hmm. I also joined a coaching program. Um, mm -hmm. you know, so I was in this coaching program, <clears throat> excuse me, that's lasted a year. Um, so I've been in this amazing coaching program this last year. That's given me like the confidence, the, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching monthly. And then there's office. Yeah. There's just a lot that goes in, in with it. So I've had an amazing amount of coaching over this last year to kind of like move me up to where I'm at now. Um, but basically I was at the point where I was just like, I, you know, the, the childcare piece, the having, um, you know, running my whole business. I do everything. I do the admin stuff. I do the ordering supplies, you know, the actual face-to-face -face work, the billing, the, you know, all, all of those things. Um, and by billing, I mean like sending, like asking for payments, sending invoices, following up with folks that might be having a financial issue or, or what have you. Um, and so I was just like, this is, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to run your own business. You know, if you're a legitimate business, I mean, some midwives do this and they do it as a service and they see it very differently. 
Um, I view this as a business for me, um, you know, and I, I was like, kind of at this. So that's number one. That's the first like big difference in philosophy. And so those of you listening who are in burnout, here is a major distinction. Eliza is saying that she views this work as a business. She's running a business. She's not running a service. She's not giving stuff away. She expects an equal and, and fair reciprocity. So yeah. that's such an important mindset difference. And it is a mindset. Like everything you do is okay, different sure. when you're serving versus when you're running a business. So thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and I've kind of straddled this line of like, you know, I want to be able to help people and I feel bad for people who can't afford a home birth. And, and also like, what good am I doing myself if I'm not, you know, and my community, if I'm not charging appropriately, if I'm not, you know, if I'm at burnout and I'm out of the community, that's, that's not good. It's not good. Yeah, it's, it's one it's, more it's of actually- us not sustainable. I mean, going back, I mean, this is a very basic thing. If you're a single mother and you're responsible for supporting your family, you cannot have a volunteer-based income. Like that doesn't work. Absolutely. So um, there are a lot of adages around this. One of my favorites is you can't pour from an empty cup, right? It's so basic, but there's nothing left after a while. And that's what we get to when we get to that unsustainability, right? So when, when we get into this situation where we get more and more empty, like we get resentful, we get angry, we get anxious, depressed, lethargic, or hypervigilant, right? All these symptoms of basically the trauma response show up when we're not meeting our own basic needs. So it's great to be a volunteer, like volunteer, but only if your basic needs are met. And if that's not the case, if you depend on your midwifery practice to meet your basic needs, like be true to yourself, give yourself that basic important thing. So you set some, like some boundaries and you focused on creating sustainability. Tell us more. Yeah, I, um, so basically what I, what I did was consolidated my prenatal days. Um, I was kind of, you know, oh yeah, if this day works for you, that's great. This, you know, I I wasn't working evenings. That's always been my thing. Like, I don't want to be here late at night seeing people like I want that I want that time um but like the days I would be here and there and this side of town and that side of town because I do um primary appointments in folks homes um and so I you know that was kind of the first step like okay I need to be doing this one two days a week Um, oh that's so So number two is that you started to value your time mm -hmm. as maybe your greatest commodity that if you lose your time you lose everything Yes. So important. Yes. Um, and I increased my pricing. That was probably number three. Like, here we go. So I really want to do my house. Okay. Well, before we do numbers, because people are all waiting with bated breath for numbers, but before we do the actual numbers, let's just dive into this, um, kind of the, the level below the level, right? Because charging more, I'm charging more, I'm charging more, whatever. But when you're sitting in front of someone, Who's like, but I can't, but please, can you all the things that people do? You have to know what your bottom line is and you have to know your value. Exactly. Eliza, it sounds like the crisis that you went through last year, the coaching that you were experiencing, the life up leveling that you were doing that year was a huge part of this, right? For sure. For sure. But tell us, how did you get to that place where you were like, 
I'm worth more. In fact, I'm worth double. How did you get there? I, you know, a lot of it is, you know, part of this coaching program is like, you know, stepping into who you want to be. So, you know, I didn't want to be somebody who's stressed. I didn't want to be somebody who's like scrambling for money or chasing people down for money or, you know, and, and, and the, the coach that I was, that I work with is like, then just charge and, and like embody that, that charge. And I'm like, but nobody in my community charges this kind of rate. And, and I, you know, I'm not the most experienced and bubble. And she was like, doesn't matter. Like increase your rates. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, and I did, but it did take a while for me to feel comfortable doing that. You know, like, like, tell us that transition zone. What did that feel like? How did you deal with it? So, you know, when I would do a consult, you know, I send out information over email to people and I'm like, this is what I charge and da, 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 da. And then the folks that are like, okay, you know, that's good with me. Schedule a consult. Um, and initially Ooh, we got another one. Stop, stop, stop. This is awesome. So your prices are up front. You yeah. don't get them in the door until Mm-mm. they've gotten all the data from you. So you have an Absolutely. email that goes out, you give them a price, maybe intake forms, what you need from them, a list of what to bring, all that stuff, an orientation. I do um, all virtual consults. Yay, COVID. Ooh. I sit here and I do my consults um, from my from my home. Um, so basically it's like here, you know, I, I, I give them information on like kind of how things work, um, information on Ohio and that we don't have licensure and, you know, and these are kind of the, you know, again, the pain points in midwifery I'm sharing with clients. Um, you know, cause I want them to have that information before even getting to the point of a consult. <clears throat> so it's so almost like a little bit of email a, and then virtual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for how long? Since the start of COVID. No, I, how long in their pregnancy? Oh, uh, oh no, no. We do appointments in, in, in person. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. So what I heard is that to orient them to care, you get an inquest, you send out an email, Mm -hmm. then you schedule a virtual appointment. Yeah. And once all of that is good and they're good with all the details, the legality, the finances, the timing, what's possible, only then do you see them in person. Yes. Yeah. That's powerful. I reclaim my time that way, um, you know, cause I was out doing consults in person and, you know, sometimes people don't show, you know, driving so then you're driving. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're driving to the place, you're doing the consult, you're driving back, you know, and it just, I got to the point where I was like, you know, and again, COVID has shifted things for a lot of people. And that is something that shifted for me. I've not changed it back. It works for me really well. Um, I find that people like it you know, they can go onto my calendar and schedule their own time. Yeah. 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 So has the amount that you see people in person changed from what it was pre-COVID? No, I'm still doing the same schedule of prenatals and all of that. Um, I'm just not doing that initial like first consult before they, before they're in care with me. Okay. Brilliant. That is a powerful reset that anyone could do in their practice today. Yeah. Easy. That is amazing. And there, amazing. there's like apps that you can use. I use Calendly. 
Um, yep. I just send Acuity, them a link. There's all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the, the sequence of orienting them to care before you talk about their pregnancy, really, yeah. you're mostly yeah. talking about you and laws and finances and who you are and what you do and how much they owe. And then yeah. you're like, oh, by the way, how do you feel? <laughs> yes. That. Yeah. It's almost like a little bit of a um, self-selection, right? Yes. So I'm, I'm filtering out the folks that are like, that's too much money. Can't do it. You know, fair enough. Bye-bye. That's okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I was that person as you know, when I was pregnant, so I, I can understand. And also like as a midwife, I can't live in that, you know, in that mode. Poverty. Yeah. You yeah. can't live in poverty. Yeah. It doesn't work yeah. for you. Yeah. Your, your batteries are higher than that. I just love this. Eliza, you're just like, Ooh, <laughs> people are going to be so excited about this. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so just to back up, um, you know, the number one is to, to know you're running a business. If you need to make right. money, you need to make money, acknowledge it, be clear about it, run your business. Don't give your For shit sure. away. Yeah. Um, then a couple mindset, mindset changes, um, uh, you price up front and so openly upfront that it works like it's supposed to. It's a deterrent for people that are not ready and aligned for you. And it's yeah. an attractant for those that are. They're like, oh, everything's upfront. Great. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it sure. self-selects. Yes. Yes. That's fantastic. Um, and then you you raised your prices. You got comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you decided Absolutely. like, I'm worth this. My time is valuable. My expertise is valuable. I deserve to yeah, be able. right. I, yeah. I mean, so many people charge money and pay money for like random things. There's a tattoo artist in my community that charges $450 an hour for a tattoo, you know, which what like more power to you. Your work is amazing. And also like what am I, I'm, I'm a midwife. Like it's right. Know? Life and death, right? Not ink, yeah. right? Although you know, it can be great, but like the cool, the cool thing is not the same as the, like the life and death thing. Right? Yeah, for sure. That's such an important, completely different things, but, but really if they can, you can. Yeah. 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 So then, then this idea of a concierge service came to you. Yes. So tell us what this means. <clears throat> So, okay. So basically I have had a couple of times, um, people have risked out, you know, at the end of pregnancy, you get somebody to 37 weeks or 35 weeks, thir- you know, what a third trimester, some point in the third trimester and they risk out and you're doing a refund. Um, you're charging per appointment, which is not the same thing as doing like a global fee. Um, and you're piecing out and you're handing them back, you know, all this money. <clears throat> Right. So when you charge a global fee and get a payment plan up front and they risk out, you have to refund that money because you didn't render that service. Right. And so what you changed was basically I, I, I do charge like an overall fee, but I switched to charging a monthly, um, a monthly fee. So monthly fee, kind of like a membership kind of like a membership. Yeah. So basically like there is a minimum fee that they pay each month, um, for that they're in care for me. So if they're in care for two months, they pay two months of that. If they paid, you know, if they paid up front, they're getting a chunk of that money back. Um, if we get into that third trimester and they risk out, then I, then I'm not struggling to fill that spot. 
you know, wow. at the last minute because, you know, it's difficult to do, um, especially like I don't have a high volume practice. I'm a solo midwife. Um, you know, yeah. I don't want a high volume practice. Um, and yeah. so, I, so I got to the point where I was like, how can I make this work for me, for my clients? Like how, um, <clears throat> so to have and, access to you, to like phone calls, emails, visits yep. at their normal schedule, just to have yep. access to you, they pay a flat monthly rate. Yes. Yes. It's not refundable. Once the not month refund. is over, the money's done. Yeah. And then do you charge extra for the birth? It's, it's still, so it's still structured like a global fee, basically. Um, with the difference being instead of doing like per appointment, um, you know, fee, if they risk out it's per month, that's really the biggest, the biggest thing. So it's, so it's not broken down into this is your monthly fee. This is your birth fee. It's like, this is your overall fee, the amount per month that you're in care that you're paying for. You might have to pay over that if you're mm. on a monthly payment plan. Mm. So <laughs> you thinking there. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I want to play yeah. with it. I've like got ideas and I'm like, you're inspiring me. Yeah. Well, um, there, there used to be, um, a series of, uh, health clinics in New York city that started this membership idea mm -hmm. where there's a flat rate monthly, whether you yeah. use the service or not, yeah. you're a member, you, you have access to something and then certain things have upcharges, but the flat rate allows the phone calls, the emails, the one or two visits, whatever is needed. Yeah. Um, and they, they did pretty well. But of course we have this, you know, consumer consciousness around insurance. And yes. so you're not billing insurance. This, not is, billing this insurance. is nothing to do with insurance. How do your clients respond to that when you say, no, no, no insurance? Um, so that goes out in that email. <clears throat> yeah. You know, that first yeah. Email. So, so that first, that first one, and I do, I get a lot of folks who have high deductible plans you know, that's mm -hmm. the new thing in insurance. Now it's like, you have to pay thousands yep. and thousands, thousands of dollars yep. before, you know, insurance will kick in. So, so many people are already at this point where they're paying all this money for their insurance to work in the first place that I, you know, even with increased rates, I'm still cheaper. Right. I have, I have people who don't have insurance, you know, they do gig yep. work, they do this and that, um, and, or, or their insurance doesn't have a pregnancy. Midwifery or pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're like, I mean, it doesn't cover anything anyways. And home birth is my dream. And so, you know, they're like, this is just what we do. Um, I have a number of people who are already used to paying out of pocket for care because they see chiropractors, they see right. nutritionists, they see dietitian, you know, they see massage therapists that, you know, so all of these like, you know, kind of alternative healer, you know, sort of things they are already used to paying for that. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you, you mentioned something like about double, how have, how has your finances changed since you made this shift? So I just did a, a coaching call with somebody in my program uh, or somebody with the program. And we were kind of going through the shifts that have happened in this last year. So I start, I officially started in January. Um, so the first three quarters of this year um, with taking the majority of the summer off, I have made, I have grossed the same amount of money that I did the previous year doing half the births. Wow. That is yeah. clear. Right. So you're right? you've got your time back. Yes. 
yeah, I'm less stressed. I'm more available for my family, for my kids. Um, yeah. Which is what I, which I need that. They need that. They need a mom who's not like, I can't ball it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Huge, hugely important that they feel like they haven't lost you to midwifery. Yeah. Um, and that you feel like you've got the reserves and the energy to meet kids needs as they're growing and midwifery yeah. can stack all of that. Um, so reduced your hours, increased mm -hmm. your fees, treated it all like a business, um, made it so that you don't have giant chunks of refund needed. Yeah. Yeah. And the clients have a flat monthly rate so that they don't have stress either. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Would you say, I'm going to ask a couple difficult questions now. So I'm putting you on okay. the spot. <laughs> would you say that this monthly plan, would uh -huh. you say that this incentivize late transfers at all? No, because the, the overall fee is still the same. Oh, so their monthly amount changes based on when they come find you in care. It, it, it is the same month. It is the same monthly minimum. Um, that minimum. So, it, so it's a minimum that they're in care. Um, they, but depending, you know, it basically, it doesn't matter when they come in care. The fee is the fee is the fee. If, if they come late in care, then they have a balloon payment or the monthly whatever. Got yep. Okay. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, how do you handle postpartum care? Has anything changed there for you? No. Um, <clears throat> because it's uh, a global, you know, kind of still within that global fee, it's all included. Um, I'm still doing postpartums just the same as I have been my whole career. Awesome. And now what's the feedback from, from folks? How do they feel have about payments? I've never, I mean, I rarely have pushback on, on paying. Um, I, over the years, I've had one person who hasn't been able to pay and we're on like a long-term barter plan. Like they write some blog posts for me, um, for a certain fee, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's worked out. So the majority of the time, I don't have people who are unable to pay. Yeah. Um, I do try to be flexible. I just had somebody at her six week appointment pay me the last of her fee. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I get it. Like not everybody is able to just hand over all, you know, this chunk of money all at once. Um, and so I do try to work with people, um, you know, at, at the times I can. Do their payments continue into the postpartum? Typically the no, um, paid by 36, 37 weeks. So they don't have a last month payment plan. No. So once, once they, once they are paid, you know, basically it's set up to be finished their payment plan or paid by 36, 37 weeks. Um, and then the postpartum is just included. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think it, it gets, it gets trickier to get paid, um, after the baby's here. It can, it can. But I love the idea that to have access to me, there's a monthly payment. So if you mm -hmm. want for postpartum care, you have to come make a monthly payment. Like, I love that, that minimum. Well, I, um, I'm so inspired by your, your energy and your confidence. And yeah. um, I want others to have what you have. Um, we do a huge amount of coaching here at Midwifery Wisdom. And um, we have a new boundaries class that we're putting together for boundaries and risk assessment. And I would say it all kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely. And so this coaching and this newfound confidence in you 
it then trickles down into all these other areas, right? And so yeah. it's like, if we think about our confidence, our self-worth, how, what we're charging, how much time we have, how much time off we have, like if you just put all these buckets, right? The thing that I think a lot of midwives don't know how, what, like how to get to where you are is that they look at all these half full buckets or empty buckets, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh God, how do I fill this bucket? I don't, there's yeah. so many. And it sounds like you just started somewhere. And then when yeah. one of them rose, then you could raise another one and then another one. Is that how it happened for you? Yes. Um, you know, yeah. So basically, I, I keep saying basically. Uh, <laughs> Bring it on. So, Be basic. I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I started off... Uh, probably with like image, um, kind of feeling like I wanted my image to be a lot different than it had been. Um, and I, so I started there, I started with wardrobe. I started with wearing more makeup, um, which, you know, whatever about makeup, I didn't wear it for years, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it did, it does help me feel more put together in a lot of ways. Um, so that was kind of like the first step. Um, the second was just having, having, again, having that coaching piece where they're just like, people will pay charge what you want. It doesn't, yes. it actually doesn't matter what you charge. People, yeah, will, people pay. will pay. You can pay, pay, you can charge $5 and you can charge 5,000 and you will find customers for both buckets. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, um, because I am going to folks homes, it is different. You know, it's me going into their, their environment a lot of times. And I do have, I do have people that are further out. Um, and I do have an office they come into cause I can't just drive all day, every day to, you know, an hour away or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but for the majority of my people that are here in like the central Ohio area within, you know, the outer belt, um, I am, I am going to them, um, which, which is a different type of care. It's a different level of yeah. care. Um, and again, like, what other provider is coming into your home to do your, to do your care, any kind of care? Yeah. Like no, it's extraordinary. none, yeah. none, yeah. hardly any. Um, yeah. so, so I, I basically was like, oh, this is, this is a thing, you know, maybe in midwifery, it is more normal. Um, but in the general population, it is not, I love yeah. this point. And this is a huge thing that when I coach people, I talk about this too. I'm like, think of any solo individual home-based services that might exist, right? So you could go to a restaurant or you could hire a personal chef, right? Yeah, exactly. You could go out and dig in the dirt or you could hire a gardener. You could clean yeah. your own toilet or you could hire, you know, a professional cleaning service, right? For sure. You could send your kid to daycare or you could hire a live-in nanny, right? There are certain professions that have this variability. Yeah. And it is exclusive to have home-based individual services in any industry. Yeah. It's exclusive, right? Yeah. So therefore we have to be as well. We are not bottom of the barrel. Right? No, absolutely we are not. Exclusive. Yeah. 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 So you yeah. made that shift. You got it. Shift. Yes. And it and was it both did. personal where you yes. like looked the part, started mm -hmm. stepping into that new persona. Yes. It was professional. You started representing that and charging more, yes. right? There was a part of your like self-worth that changed as a result of For sure. Of 
Yes. And it's evident now. Like, yeah, I'm looking at you on the call and I can I can see it. Those of us listening, we can we can hear it too. There's yeah, you are put together, you do know your shit. Like you are yeah, representing sure. new personality. And I just want to say, like, that is attainable. Like yes. for everyone listening, it's attainable. Yeah. Wouldn't you yeah. say? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I don't know that I would have got to this point as quickly without coaching, um, without somebody, you know, saying like, where I was like, I don't know about the pricing. And she's like, it just, you just have to be, you know, you just have to, you just have (laughs) basically fake it until you make it. Um, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, okay, so here, you know, so here's my pricing. And and it took me a minute to get, to get to the point where I was just like, here's the pricing. Please pass. Please hand me my water. Right. When you can come back and be like, I did it. What do you think? And someone's like, yes, good job. And you get that like affirmation as well as the accountability that someone's going to call and say like, did you do that thing? Like that is huge. That is huge. The accountability accountability piece is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're busy. Like we, you know, as midwives, who has time to do to like, you know, do this and do that and do this, and, you know, and then I more, more than busy. I think, I think the big thing is that we are creatures of habit mm-hmm. and breaking out of an old paradigm and shifting into a new consciousness is a lot of work. For it's a sure. lot of, of, um, you have to remember to go to that new place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it's daily. in some ways, it's, daily it's, like, reminders. it's super scary. Yeah, it's scary. And in some ways, I like, I almost want to like equate it to quitting smoking or something. Like, yeah, you have to form new habits, right? For sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So the makeup and the dressing for success, that's a part of the new habits. Mm-hmm. What else? What other habits did you have to work on? Um, showing up for myself. Um, you know, we talk with our clients all the time about taking care of themselves, about, you know, feeding themselves appropriately, drinking their water, you know, all of these kind of things. But I know a lot of midwives who don't, who don't do that well. Um, and I know because it's easy to like, not do those things. Um, I don't have it down perfectly, but I have it a lot better than I did. I don't, I don't know that anybody does that perfectly, but, but yeah, it's, it's, but it's a focus now it's an intention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's anything from, like I said, eating better, um, drinking, drinking my, getting my water in, um, going for walks. I got a puppy almost a year ago and so he needs walked, you know? And so it's that, it's that, um, kind of, forced myself to do it a little bit, but also like, you know, there, there's an excuse (laughs) to go and make sure I'm getting my walks in. I love that. It's almost like you set yourself up for success by creating these like no-go situations. Like the dog needs walking. I must walk there done. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to think about it, right? It's a daily habit that you change. Um, you want to look successful. Therefore, every single day you're going to put on the wardrobe and the makeup that makes you feel successful. Right. 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 Like another habit I'm sure that you had to work on was around time, right? 
So one of the habits of midwifery is, oh, sure. Okay. All right. Sure. The phone constantly ringing, the texting. I don't answer my phone. Ooh, tell us about this one. <laughs> I knew there was something here. Tell us what happened. So, okay. So I, I have very strong boundaries around like phone texts, stuff like that with my clients. Um, and I explained to them in their first prenatal, like, you know, when you need me, when it's, when something has come up, when it's time for birth, when it's, you know, whatever I'm there, like you get me full stop. The other times I need time with my family. I don't need to be having a text at 6 PM about something random. Not that they're random, but you know, like something that could have waited. Random. I have diarrhea. I think I have to fart. It's random. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, and I, I explained that up front. Like I, you know, the, I have a portal um, a client portal, they can go in and leave messages. I'm super quick within 24 hours. I will respond. Um, obviously emergencies, more pressing issues, those, you know, come through phone calls. Um, but I, I realized I was missing people's questions and stuff because I would look at it on my phone and they'd be like, Oh, that's not important. Or, Oh, that can wait. And then I'm busy with my kids or my life or whatever. And then I just never went back to it. Um, so I was like, well, this yeah. isn't good for my clients. It's not good for no, me because I feel like I'm not it, doing a good job. It makes you look like you lack integrity when in fact yeah. it's just the wrong medium of communication. Yes. Yeah. So no more texting. They're not allowed to text you. They can text me. Um, if like, if it's a pressing issue, basically See, I would go one step further and I would be like messages belong in the portal. And if your water broke, you can use the phone and call me. Yeah. I mean, I, most people abide by that. Um, I rarely get, um, like I don't get the random text messages. I did get a text message, the last breath. Hey, I've had contractions that are like 15 minutes apart and 15 seconds long. Great. Thank you for the heads up. Yeah. 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 But yeah, people getting that wrong where they're like calling you about indigestion and then texting you that their water broke is like mind numbing for a midwife. It makes hypervigilance yeah. because we're just constantly staring at our phone. Yeah. And then the amount of brain power that it takes to sort things into the categories of their urgency, exhausting, sure. exhausting. For sure. Give the client the ability to sort their own junk out before yeah. it even arrives to you. Yes. For sure. And I also have a business line. So if I need to cancel the last minute because I have a birth or whatever, that goes over that business line. I will text Ooh, them. So that they can't even access it after you're not calling them from it. Is that what you mean? No, they, they have access to the business line. I, but I do tell people like, it doesn't ring at 2am. Oh, I see what you're saying. So most of your communication with clients happens over a line that doesn't ring at night. Yeah. I mean, if, if I'm texting, um, you know, again, that's not my ideal mode of communication. So I do try to, you know, so basically I want to set an example, you know, I don't want to text them and be like, oh yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then it kind of opens that. Um, right. I, so I do try to do that through my, through my business line. Yeah. Because you're teaching people how to treat you every day, every interaction all yeah. the time. Yeah. And, really? and it, um, I have, I have business goals, right? I, I have, uh, an ultimate, um, you know, place where I want to be. And that includes having an office manager 
So I want people to already be in the mode of like, oh yeah, this is, this is how we communicate around these sorts of things. Ooh, that's brilliant. And I love how you brought up one of the real challenges of midwifery. And that is that even if you just run a small home birth practice like yourself, you are actually wearing three different hats. And I talk about this a lot in my coaching and the birth business masterclass. You are a midwife. You're actually the provider. That's Mm -hmm. one hat with its own set of responsibilities. Yeah. You are also the practice manager who sets protocols and, and researches and understands limits and like directs the overall long-term course of care, scope, risk, benefits, community relations, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're also a business owner, which is its own set of things, right? Yeah. So any small business midwifery owner is actually doing three jobs simultaneously. And like you're saying, the goal is to get out from under one of them, at least, Mm -hmm. or some part of them. Um, and so you yeah. have to set yourself up and the future employees up for success by setting your systems so that they are reproducible, replicatable, yes. and transferable, right? So you yes. can give them to somebody else. This is brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. 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 Yes. <laughs> yeah. Eliza, you're like blowing the lid off of it. It's so fun. I'm going to yeah. call you midwife 2.0. Is that okay? <laughs> That's fine. Is that that okay with you? Because it's like maybe even 3.0. I mean, I don't know. You're, you are reinventing um, the profession in a new way. And I, you know, and again, I've watched so many midwives come to the point of burnout and I'm like, how do we make this more sustainable? How do we, how do we do it in a way that, you know, allows our clients to get what they need from us? And, and for us to meet those needs and also for our needs to be met because our needs are really, really important here. You know, like if we're, if we're not feeding ourselves, if we're not running a sustainable practice, you know, what are we doing? We're not going to be, you know, I wouldn't have been around if I hadn't shifted things and made it work for me. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. That is such an important question. I want everyone listening to actually ask themselves, what are you doing? I talk about this a lot when, when I talk about the big why in my boundaries class, that's about to launch the, the big why is really getting to the nitty gritty of like, why do I show up every day? What gets me out of bed? What am I here to do? Yeah. And for some people that will be serving the underserved, creating projects and, and, and institutions that didn't exist before, uh, volunteering, serving at the feet of women. And if that is your goal, that's, and you can support yourself otherwise, Love it. please, Love we it. need you, right? Yeah. We need you. Like For we sure. need these nonprofits and we need these doula networks and we need these social services, you know, like Absolutely. those are really important. Yeah. But I think the problem is, is when we have this perception in midwifery that that's all there is. Yes. 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 It's not. Uh, yes. 100%. 100%. Um, and I think, you know, that's been what's kind of been modeled in, in the yes. midwifery community. It's, martyrdom. Been, it's, it's like martyrdom. I always say like, yeah. don't die on the cross of midwifery, right? Like you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, um, it, you know, and it's tricky because we're all called to the, nobody's getting out of their bed at 2 AM in February. You know, I'm in Ohio. So February is gray and dark and cold and snowy and rainy. You know, it's just all the, all the, all the things. Nobody is doing that without feeling like they're called. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also yeah. like yeah. we can, we can actually be in business and run our practice like a business yeah. and I mean, it, you can, you can stay at the same train of thought and still prove your point. Like nobody gets out of bed at four in the morning, three in the morning in February without it being a calling and yeah. without meeting your most basic needs, you can't keep doing it. For sure. Right? For sure. Like, yeah. The, the, like <laughs> even priests have a base salary, right? They're serving yeah. their flock. Right. Yeah. But the church provides them housing and a base salary, right? Like yes. your job has to at least provide housing and a base salary. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Basic, ba your basic needs need to be met. Yeah. We need to start at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like <laughs> shelter, yeah. food, like you can't, yeah. you can't do anything above until you have your basic needs met. So yes, profound. So if you are leaving in an unsustainable practice or life right now, which means you're not sure you're going to be able to do it again next year, that means it's mm -hmm. unsustainable. Yeah. You could make some really simple adjustments and yeah. starts with believing that you're running a business and that you mm -hmm. deserve to have your basic needs met. And then there are some of these tricks and tips that you've shared with us. And we hope that you'll keep sharing them and that you'll help revolutionize people into midwife 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to share with, um, the folks that were interested. Um, like I said, I think I, I said that I said, I'm working on setting up a zoom, um, just because I, people want this information. They need this information. Like how do we make midwifery work if we're not, if we're not willing to share, right? Totally. Well, Eliza, if you want to take that recording and turn it into a course, Midwifery Wisdom would love to help you with okay. the, the logistics. Um, whatever you plan to do with it, I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited for this information to get out there. And yeah. for those that would like to do some coaching, um, uh, we do coaching at Midwifery Wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, you can find it at midwiferywisdom.com forward slash guidance. Um, I have a very intensive six week long midwifery specific coaching course. It's called the birth business masterclass. It starts February 1st. We are going to have, this is the last year I'm doing it. I'm transitioning to doing something different, but doing it for six years. There's over 50 graduates of the birth business masterclass. And it's, it's pretty transformational. It's on the website midwiferywisdom.com. Who is the coaching? Do you want to share? Is there, is there a public sure. links you want to share for us? Um, my coach is Amira Alvarez and her website is the unstoppablewoman.com. Cool. Well, we'll put that in the yeah. show notes so people can follow awesome. that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Eliza, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us, for sharing some of your wisdom. Yeah. I'm so excited for what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Do you have any last, um, like words of wisdom or piece of advice for folks who are on this journey to recover their life and get sustainability? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing is figuring out a way that you can believe in yourself, you know, believe in your worth, believe in midwifery enough to, to make it sustainable in your own community.